This is the Law Podcasting Podcast, where you learn how to use modern media to get your message out and more good clients to your law practice. Here's your host, Gordon Firemark. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Law Podcasting Podcast, the show where I bring you information about how lawyers are using the power of podcasting in support of and in developing their businesses, even if they're not podcasting specifically about legal subject matter. Now, my guest today is Uduak Ordwak, uh, a speaker, attorney, journalist, author, podcaster, and recognized visionary and trailblazer in the industry. She is the founder of Lady Brill, an award-nominated pioneer digital magazine celebrating brilliant women in business and leadership across industry sectors and the globe, with an emphasis on the continent of Africa. As an attorney, Uduak pioneered the first fashion law seminars in Northern California and is a recognized name within the growing niche practice of fashion law here in the USA. She's also the founder of the pioneering law blog and podcast, Africa Music Law, uh, where she educates uh, folks both in Africa and the USA uh, creative industries on legal issues affecting the entertainment industry. She's the co-founder of Ebitu Law Group, PC, a California uh, law firm, providing legal services to businesses and individuals, including those in the fashion and entertainment sector. And she's been featured in leading legal publications, um, the ABA Journal, the California Lawyer Magazine, and is also a contributor to several books, two of which are distributed internationally. And she has a new book coming out for the um, African, specifically Nigerian music industry. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But first, we're going to talk about podcasting in general. Uduak, thank you so much for being here. Did I get your name close to right? You did. And what a delight to be here. I'm a fan of yours. I follow your work, Entertainment Law Update, and it's really a joy to, to be here with you, Gordon. Well, the feeling is mutual. Thanks so much for saying so. So tell us a little bit about your podcasting. Well, 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 where do I start? Um, I've been writing extensively for eight years uh, for my own personal project. So by that, I mean Lady Brill Magazine and Mm -hmm. then, of course, Africa Music Law. But prior to, I've been writing for all kinds of different publications uh, for a while. Mm -hmm. But with the Africa Music Law, I finally got to a point where I'm like, I'm tired of writing because I have just so much on my plate. I just want to be able to talk since I also speak a lot extensively, speaking engagements, workshops, et cetera. And that would just be much easier for me. Sure. So I started to look online and research. And even though I'd listened to Entertainment Law Update for a while, I didn't, it, I didn't connect the dot that <laughs> it was actually like a podcasting show. I just did it. So I went online and did Google research and I found Pat Flynn. Mm-hmm. And he had the video up on YouTube. He spelled out step by step the equipment I needed, yeah. how to do it, how to set up. And then I listened to some of his podcast podcast episodes mm-hmm. and he was calling it podcast. So I don't know. Um, <laughs> so I said, oh, awesome. I can do this. And because after being on the net for so long, you get used to the back end and, and you know, mm-hmm. how technology, basic technology works. And so that's when I set up my podcast, okay. thinking that we're setting it up. It would make it a lot easier. Um, my audience immediately loved it. It immediately went. I set it up. Uh, the African Music Law podcast was set up in June, and by October, it was the top four on iTunes. It was last year. In yes, okay. in, no, no, that was the year before because oh, we we're now in 2016 yeah. in new and noteworthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. so that went up, and then now it's like over a hundred thousand downloads, which is not that much if you're looking at the big, big, major podcast, but. Um, 
I don't know. That itch. fills a couple of stadiums worth of people. If you, <laughs> you know, I guess, yeah. But if you're looking at uh, looking at it in my niche and the fact that there's nothing like it out there, that's mm-hmm. like very, very uh, strong numbers. Yeah. Um, but what's so interesting is that my audience still asks a lot for my writings, and my writings are still what actually brings business to my to my firm oh, rather than the podcast. Mm-hmm. So it's fascinating because I did it to get away from having to write so much. And has it led to having to do more writing? Or, um, or the same amount? Less writing because okay. I, I insist on not writing so much <laughs> because a lot of my writings are analysis, yeah. legal analysis of sure. legal issues and problems, and that takes time. Yeah. So um, I've just, you know, I just write when I can write. Mm-hmm. It's still you know, at least three times a week, I get something out, uh, depending on what the legal issues are that flow. So whatever's out there in pop culture, that's interesting. And I can point out some of the legal issues I sure. will, but I try not to write so much because I'm writing somewhere else. So, <laughs> Well, yeah, that's a pretty substantial commitment to media production anyway. I mean, if you're doing a podcast exactly. or two and writing a couple of times a week, that's, you know, you're spending an ample amount of time on marketing related stuff. Tell us about the other podcast. So this was Africa music law that you've been talking about that supports that supports your law practice, but you also have um, the lady Brill. Yes. Lady Brill magazine uh, shortly after. So Africa music law was launched in June, 2014 mm-hmm. lady Brill. I la- I launched the podcast in 2000, uh, same year, mm-hmm. a, a month later, July, 2014. And lady Brill has actually been going on for, we're going into our ninth year now. Yeah. And one thing I started to notice with Lady Bro was that we have a particular segment that celebrates one woman each month. And usually, you know, very dynamic, successful woman leader or a woman entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And that continued to gain a lot of notoriety and attention over time and stayed consistent. So I thought, why not amplify that mm-hmm. and, and give even more uh, value to that woman? So she gets her cover as a cover magazine mm-hmm. and the whole nine yards that we do, but people probably want to hear her voice as well, not just the written text sure. of the interview. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we started to do that. And then we do fashion law features as well as uh, fashion business, since that's a lot of our concentration on the magazine end. Sure. Sure. Now, do, have, have you seen that, that the magazine and the podcasting and, and you know, both podcasts, have you seen that it is beneficial to the law practice? Are you, are you able to point to some improvement or, or, uh, other metrics that you're looking at? I think for me, uh, it's been, it's a, it's a question I've had to revisit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and let me answer it this way. I think initially for me, my approach was keeping things so separate, mm-hmm. um, because California and the ethics and the rules, they almost scare you. Yeah. And not only do they scare you, they didn't understand, uh, social media, blogging, much less podcasting. Yeah. So initially there was a lot of what's this all about? And then when the industry, the legal industry got interested, it was a lot of let's regulate, let's regulate, let's regulate. (laughs) So I knew that, gosh, I have a substantial and very strong following. How do I convert that into um, tying it with the firm? And my initial instinct was, um, I don't want to do that. Let's just keep two things separate anyways. Mm -hmm. Um, but over time, I'm now evaluating because a lot of our legal industry colleagues have gotten into the business and they tie it right into their practice. For yeah. the African music law, what I've seen consistently, like I said, is when I write, folks contact my firm yeah. um, and they ask for legal services. 
Um, the podcasting has gotten me a lot of attention in terms of speaking engagements and invitations to come speak or mm. things of that nature. It all sort of feeds itself in one, in one way or another, yeah? Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. One, well, one of the other, other things, as you were mentioning the Lady Brill program in particular, but you know this whole approach of <clears throat> having, I won't call it a pretext, it's really a context in which to contact people whom you might not otherwise you know, cold call about you know, I'd like to represent you as your lawyer, but now you're, you're giving them another reason to talk to you that, that isn't threatening or, or a sales call and they get to know and like, and trust you. And guess what? <laughs> that leads to business, doesn't it? That is so true. <clears throat> and, and actually in understanding the lady bro audience a lot more, mm-hmm. uh, what I found is it, it's a, because it didn't always, it wasn't exclusively just about the business and leadership part of it. Yeah. It was just fashion, uh, film music, and a lot of more lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So over time, my women have particularly said, this is what we want to talk about. And that um, this year is going to have us launching um, products and services focused on the business community, which ultimately ties into obviously supporting the firm in terms of the fact that if we're talking business necessarily, we're going to hit business law issues and issues surrounding um just incorporating mm-hmm. and things of that nature. And that uh, allows me the opportunity as, you know, an uh, industry um, expert in that niche area sure. or, you know, someone with, with a command of business law and representing clients to talk about that issue and those things that surround business as well. So all this media creation is the platform for sort of identifying and connecting with your audience and, and now knowing what the problems they have that you can solve and offering them those solutions. Exactly. That's awesome. Um, so let's back up to, to when you were getting started. You said you you followed Pat Flynn's uh, video series on YouTube and, and about how to get started. What was the hardest part for you of getting things set up and running for podcasting? I think it was the the editing, mm-hmm. the audacity, using audacity uh-huh. to edit. Okay. Um, Pat, when he gave the examples, was like, you know, you don't want to be so um, perfect. You know, sometimes people might make mistakes and you want to let them just make mistakes. But uh, for me, sometimes the mistakes that were made would really get into the the listener's experience, I thought. You know, lots of long protracted ums and ums like every other second, depending on who your subject is, Mm -hmm. uh, among other things. So there was a need to go in sometimes and just clean that up and make it sound good for the listener's experience because so that's that's where i found and that took time to just edit but um once i got the hang of it it started to flow a lot faster okay great and you you said you got things set up yourself tell me about the equipment that you're using and did you buy what pat recommended or how did that i sure did um i uh use an audio technica Mm -hmm. atr 2100 with the usb easy plug-in sure i have audacity Mm -hmm. Um, and what else? Um, some of the plugins I just, uh, got a, pl- well, that's more of the aesthetic function. Yeah. Um, a smart, mm-hmm. uh, podcast plugin that yeah, makes sure. it easier for people to download and, 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 um, and listen to yeah. it. Of course, uh, smart, uh, Pat Flynn's, um, plugin as well. Mm-hmm where people can listen to a series of episodes and that's, that's pretty much it. Am I missing any other equipment? Let no, me no, see. no. I, I, you, yeah. you, you, you kept it simple as you said, and that's, yeah. uh, you know, that's the same equipment package that I sort of recommend if you're doing a solo show. But when you do your interviews, how do you, uh, how do you capture the other side of the call? Skype okay. through, uh, Ecamm. The Skype call recorder on your Mac. Absolutely. Awesome. 
Awesome. Very easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So um, talk about the workflow a little bit, but especially, I'm, I'm specifically concerned about how you prep for your show. How, first of all, how do you identify who you want to bring on as a guest for the African Music Law show? And, and um, how do you go about prepping for those calls and things? Well, both, both first sides. of all, for me, um, for the prepping, I don't prep. Okay. I don't prep except to research if I don't really know the person. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel that I have a strong command of the industry. Sure. And also I have a strong command of interviewing people over time, just from a perspective of not only a, a communications degree holder, but I've interviewed hundreds and hundreds of all kinds of people mm-hmm. uh, in my capacity as a journalist before sure. I got into this whole space. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm constantly doing it still. So for me, uh, I don't even send um, an outline. Mm-hmm. I just give them a general idea of the scope. Yeah. I want it to be very conversational and I go, you know, with that. Um, in terms of who I identify, I'm always very interested on the value that the guests can bring to the table. And, uh, and so for me, value is people who really understand about business, how to scale it and how to be successful. And then embedded in that is the soul part. Like it's very important that there's a spiritual connection of what did you go through? How did you overcome it? And how can my audience learn from what you've had to overcome. So the business sense and the spiritual sense, like personal and professional, that's what I'm always looking for. And if they have a good story, then I want them on my show. Oh, very cool. Very cool. So the big objection for uh, lawyers in particular, when we talk about podcasting is the time commitment. Now you're doing a lot of media production in your, in your uh, marketing efforts. How, how much of that time, how much of your time do you say you spend on the podcasting between the advancing it, getting the guests lined up, doing the recordings, um, editing and, and publishing. What would you say an episode typically takes? Mm, I would say an episode takes maximum two hours because I work on that over the weekend. I have a block of time that's cleared out. Uh-huh. Um, guests are notified way in advance. There's a scheduler, online scheduler. They can schedule whatever dates works for them, just like you have your schedule. Yeah, so yeah. they can schedule way in advance. So I don't have to worry about that. And since uh, there are guests from all over all of the world, um, my schedule com- you know, computes all the different uh, time zones. So I don't have to worry about that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so really, after we're done with the interview, depending on the guest, sometimes it's a lot easier. It can take me 30 minutes to have it all ready to go. Because the um, formatting for the flyer, the promotion is already set. So I just dropped the person's promotional image, nice. for example. So so if it was your image, for example, I would just drop that into the already set out layout for... Sure. Yeah, so that's good to go. So the key thing for me just boils down to how well the guest interviews. Mm-hmm. And that's very important then for me to make it conversational because then my job is a lot easier when it comes to editing. I usually don't have to worry anymore mm-hmm. about editing as much because depending on how I direct the, the, the interview, I can get the interviewee to talk more so than a lot of arms and arms and arms. And that makes it so much easier. So maximum give or take two hours. And that's something I commit to on the weekends. And usually I'm editing two podcast shows and yeah. I don't edit you know, I don't edit two podcast shows on one day. Mm-hmm. I'd edit two podcast shows um, over the weekend, Saturday mm-hmm. evening, and then Sunday. 
Okay. And then the finally, in terms of interviews, I don't do one separate interviews. I block out a whole day. So a whole Sunday, for example, or whatever. And I'll do a whole bulk of interviews. Or um, if I can't do that, maybe it's a really... Um, my schedule is tight and they have different dates and stuff. I block out my lunchtime. Oh, okay. um, cause I, I wouldn't do interviews during my time for, for work. I'm making my money and running a business, but I will do interviews, um, during lunchtime, 12 to one typically is where I block out the time for, for a guest. Yeah. Just like you would block out time for a networking meeting or, or exactly. any other writing your blog or whatever else. Okay. Exactly. And, um, very cool. So it sounds like your 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 productivity depends on having obviously some 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 uh, restrictions, limitations on the time, and so on. So you've you've dedicated some specific time to it. Your uh, you have templates and systems in place so that it exactly. becomes a process that you can repeat each time you need to. Absolutely critical. Otherwise, I cannot sustain it at all. <laughs> okay. So in your, in your view, now you've been doing this for how many episodes on African music law? African music law is now 71 episodes okay. and, uh, lady bro is now 30, I think 37 episodes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So would you say that the investment of time and energy is worthwhile for you for the, well, for whatever reason <laughs> for business or, or, other? you know, I would say yes. First of all, African music law, it's the first time in the end on the entire continent that you have industry folks explaining how the business of entertainment works. And mm-hmm. so it's information no one has. It's exclusive information. Uh, number two, it's the first time that kind of content has ever even, you know, um, been shared. And mm-hmm. what's happening is I'm having lawyers on the continent because mm-hmm. entertainment law practice doesn't really exist. There's yeah. no entertainment law and law schools right. um, in terms of the bar association. They don't have per se. And mm-hmm. I'm not just speaking one country within Africa, the entire continent. Sure. It's very rare to even hear about entertainment law with the exception of South Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm finding out that young lawyers are using the portal and the, and my platform to learn about the practice of law and to create their own entertainment law practice. Mm-hmm. And then listening to the guest is solidifying for them and they're making connections sometimes with some of those guests to build relationships. So it's, it's really significant because of the impact that it's having. Um, and then I started it for artists. I didn't start it for industry professionals. Mm-hmm just artists but the people who have been drawn to it are quite interesting for me to observe and they've been a lot of the industry people here in hollywood um both fashion film music but particularly film and music and then a lot of the key industry movers and shakers on the continent so for a while i wanted to understand that and i realized everyone's just chasing the money so In chasing the money uh, with the way the industry has really been disrupted with technology here, mm-hmm. you're finding a lot more of our talents here in the U.S. looking for other ways and other alternatives of making money. Mm-hmm. So they're looking at money from touring. They're looking at other things. And that's where the African continent is becoming so much more relevant because you'll have a promoter in Nigeria, for example, pay an artist here that would be worth, let's say, $20,000, but would pay that artist 80000 to show up or 100000 to come perform. And that's not counting accommodations, writers, and all the other perks that come with it. So it's just very significant market, among other things, for a lot of artists here. And there's big, big, big push now, particularly when you're looking at Black Hollywood that are now performing more and more on the continent. 
That's interesting. So, so you you set out to reach uh, with your with your show. You set out to reach an audience of um, musicians and and music industry folks in Africa, and wound up serving that kind of market. But here, who want to reach out to Africa and want to exactly, you know, exactly, fascinating. exactly. Fascinating. It's so, fascinating to me. It really is. And these are not just any kind of folks. These are heavyweights who yeah. who pull. Some of the, you know, like global names. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's fascinating. So have you shifted the focus of how you conduct the interviews and the, and the, the message that you're going for because of that? Or are you, well, you've attracted well, that audience. So. <laughs> well, what I found is that the artists that are, um, well, yes, I have. Yes and no. Mm-hmm. It's been a combination. I've done that. But I've also continued to stay true to the artist. Sure. But instead, um, make it more artist premier kind mm-hmm. of kind of um, focus because a lot of the folks that are coming that are artists have more of an indie artist perspective. So they are the, you know, entrepreneurs as well that are coming to, to the podcast. So they are artists, but not necessarily just exclusively emerging. No, they run their own businesses, they're indie labels, or they're just trying to figure everything sure. out on their own. Well, that's really the way of the future anyway, isn't it? I mean, it, it, it's harder and harder to, to, to expect as an artist in any field, really, that there's going to be this industry and this infrastructure provided by a big record label or a big movie studio, you have to do a lot of the uh, a lot of the heavy lifting yourself now that 30 years ago you may not have. So, um, I think providing a platform where folks can learn and and get some insights on that is fantastic. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so what is it about podcasting specifically that that makes it effective? What's the attraction for the audience? Do you think? Well, I think it's the connection. They can listen to your voice and they can connect with you in a more personal way than just even you writing. Although people do really connect with my writing. Um, I think I'm often told my writing has a sting to it because it's just very direct. Sure. Um, but I think people hearing your voice feels even more personal. I also think the flexibility of podcasting, mm-hmm. they can take you anywhere, you know, yeah. um, whether... If it's on a weekend, during the week, commuting, um, in the car, wherever, they yeah. can listen to you. They can share it. Sometimes I've been told that uh, po- my podcast sometimes, because I have a lot of radio personalities that I know as well as mm-hmm. who listen, they they will say, hey, is it okay to share it with my you know network or even on my station? I'm like, sure, <laughs> go ahead. That's how so, you get 100,000 downloads. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> for that. So, you know, it's it's very um, it's very personal. I think it's a connection. I also think what makes it effective, if you're looking from a law standpoint as the lawyer, yeah. um, the industry has changed. Uh, I mean, I tell a lot of law students and a lot of recent grads, now it's hard to find a job. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're finding a lot of our, our young folks graduating and they're either just doing document review or just have no, they're losing hope. And it's very disheartening for me to see that. And I say all the time, well, take control of your brand. You know, there's such a disconnection with old school lawyers and new school where um, we're not moving as quickly as we should with technology. And by that, I mean as an industry collectively. And so if you're waiting as a newly, um, as a new grad or just generally waiting to, for the industry to catch up or for somebody to give you a job, you might be waiting for a while. Podcasting, I think, is very effective to help you um, brand yourself. 
You can do so and tie it into giving webinars. You can do so and tie it into creating legal packages, products that work for you, just like you're doing with podcasting for lawyers specifically. Mm -hmm. You can do so and, and have attention of people who are interested in hiring you for speaking engagements, among other things. So it's such a great opportunity. And if you can harness it, it's great. And then there are not many people that are in that field yet for podcasting, for law podcasting. So it's an opportunity to really stand apart from your peers. Fantastic. Thank you for the sales pitch for my course. <laughs> oh, definitely. Absolutely. So, so, And that's a direction I'm actually going to, uh, particularly this year, where I'm tying everything in finally into you know, webinars, legal yeah. packages, and all that for all those different audiences, because I know now what they need. Fantastic. Fantastic. All right, so uh, you've been doing the podcasting for a year and a half or so. Now, what's your favorite moment that you've experienced? So wow. <laughs> Let me see. For African music law, I think it has to be an opportunity to alert the entire continent of Africa about the importance of the rule of law, which is why I even started the podcast in mm -hmm. the first place. The marginalization of women and children is a big thing that's dear to my heart. But how do we reach an entire continent to understand the importance of the rule of law? And so the particular case that came on was when Google shut down a blogger, a Nigerian blogger, a celebrity blogger, much more like um, the per Perez Hilton kind of blogger mm -hmm. kind of thing, shut down her blog because there was allegations that was made for copyright infringement. You have to understand she makes almost a million dollars a year blogging. And a lot of the content that that was on her site, a lot of it included a lot of uh, infringed copyrighted work from other people without appropriate accreditation. And it was such a great teaching opportunity because I talked about it on the podcast and everybody came just to understand it and shared it. Even she shared some of what I had to say mm. about how um, the industry works and, and specifically also the issue of copyright. Mm. What is copyright? How does it work? Is it infringement? Is it not infringement? Mm. And you're here in the U. I mean, she's over in Nigeria, but then she's using Blogger, and you know that's owned by Google. And so yeah. you're back here in California and jurisdictional issues and the legal <laughs> analysis that I went into it. It was a, a great teaching opportunity, and it effectively showed what I've been saying that um, entertainment lawyers, particularly African entertainment lawyers, are almost like the civil rights lawyers of the U.S. In that. Uh, it's a different movement, but they are at the forefront, I believe, of awakening the entire continent on the need for the rule of law. Because the way it is now, we're not getting anywhere. But if you have an entertainment lawyer over there that has to deal with an issue of um, a celebrity blogger like Linda Ikeji is her name, mm -hmm. um, her blog getting shut down. It's quite interesting because if you understand African mentality and African society, we don't like to be in the news like that. It's very taboo. Sure. It's very like, oh my God, I can't believe it. Someone's talking about you. Mm -hmm. So the fact that you have entertainment lawyers to talk about it and then use those kind of cases to underscore the importance of the rule of law is just so powerful. So that's my favorite moment. On the Lady Bro end, I mean, they've just um, amazing, remarkable women. I mm -hmm. think every podcast episode has been particularly fun but i think for me personally the one i really really enjoy the most <laughs> so i to say to my audience listening okay. has to be tammy ungubeni um change agent and power woman mm -hmm. out of south africa who's a media personality i just loved her interview it was so amazing 
That's fantastic. On a personal note for me. <laughs> okay, so what's the, let's flip it over. What's the worst sort of nightmare moment you've experienced? Or um, have you? No, I haven't. And let's keep it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Not good. Okay. Yeah. No, I haven't. Oh, you know what? It's not nightmare, but maybe sometimes pe- guests come on the show. And I always, by the way, for every podcaster listening or potential podcaster, how you frame what you send out is important. Mm-hmm. So just be sure that they know that you're going to use their content indefinitely. I mean, it's content you're creating, but that uh-huh. when they come, it's used indefinitely. So I had a, a very controversial case that came on uh, out of the continent. And then the person who had brought the talent to me, so the PR who brought the talent mm-hmm. to me after the fact says, hey, can you not publish that? Because I don't think we like how it's going to sound. It may affect this, it may affect that. Well, you already signed a release mm-hmm. basically allowing me to use it. And I'm not going to stop it because you think it may affect this or may that. So I published the work. You know, mm-hmm. um, but it was just bizarre to me. It was a nightmare, not at all. It didn't even affect me no, one sure, second. Yeah. But it was just a fact that a friction you know, point. I, I understand. Yeah, I'm yeah. not going to come back and rewind whatever you've already agreed to, and we have. You know, there wasn't any basis yeah. for it. So, so you do have your guests sign some kind of a release and and uh, acknowledge the <laughs> the nature of things. Yeah, I mean, it's not an actual signing. Signing. It's just that. Hey here's what it's going to be. Here's what it's going to sound like. And by agreeing to come on the show, you agree that this can be used indefinitely, blah, 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 blah. Oh, okay. That's all. Not, hey, I don't need you to sign anything, but I need you to understand that what I'm sending you, the scope of what we're going to talk about, where it's going to be released, how it's going to be used, and that it's going to be used indefinitely. So when you come on the show, you're agreeing for me to do exactly what I tell you I'm going to do. And that that means I'm not going to renege on that. Yeah, well, that's so, that's great. That sounds like the kind of. I mean, I, one of my next questions was going to be, what advice would you offer to a lawyer starting out in podcasting? And maybe that's the answer. But if you've got anything else, please share. Yeah, I think that's important. I also think that um, don't just go into podcasting to go into podcasting. I think you should have a clear strategy in what you're trying to accomplish. Um, I think you should also use it as a marketing tool. I and uh, and when I say marketing too, as we we're talking about, do you want to have a webinar from this? Do you want to create other products around this? Um, what's your agenda for this? Don't look for it as a quick money maker because that's not going to happen, or even advertising revenue to come on that because that's not going to immediately happen. With the Lady Bro podcast, we've had a community of women actually advertise on Lady Bro podcast shows to sponsor the show. Uh, African Music Law hasn't had that, so don't necessarily look for hey money to you know to or sponsor for the podcast show but definitely have a strategy strategy in terms of how it's going to support mm-hmm. your personal brand and what you're trying to do um that's what i would say yeah i often think that you know for me i, I we don't have well i have a sponsor on this show but it's something of mine and and on my entertainment law update podcast you know my firm and my my co-hosts firms are essentially the sponsors of the show and so we're not looking for outside advertising and there there are lots of ways to leverage this tool this medium that don't rely on you know outside money to <laughs> to make it work they can be this you know sort of something we provide for ourselves and and uh, i think that's a great advice um uh, gordon i have it. a question for you with sure. you saying that because it's something i've wondered as a podcaster mm-hmm. so if your firm for example is sponsoring the podcast show yep. Um, do you ever concern yourself about sort of liability that would extend to the firm by virtue of the firm sponsoring the podcast show? You know, I don't think it's, 
I haven't really thought about that in, at any great length, and uh, maybe we'll have a chat on that subject another time. But okay. uh, yeah, but no, I mean it's it's a very interesting question. I don't think it's any different than if you know if I write a, a an article for a journal or a magazine or something like that, and and I put out there the name of my firm as part of how oh, I you know yeah uh, it's First Amendment point. speech you know and it is not it because it's not an overtly selling message. I don't think of it as commercial speech. It's it's you know it's First Amendment. Uh, not artistic speech exactly, but it's sort of newsworthiness and whatever. Mm-hmm, so I think mm-hmm. it would be hard for the regulators to get involved. Liability, yeah. I suppose there's, you know, if somebody wants to complain about something, they, they, you know, I'm a solo, so so my firm is me, and they yeah. might come after me either way. <laughs> so, uh, for for people in other firms, you know, where they're they're one lawyer in among several, maybe there is a, a little bit of a concern about that, but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think if you stay on message and you're careful about things and we lawyers tend to be anyway, I think we're, we're in good shape. Yeah, I think we do too. Yeah. Yeah. We, we tend to dot our I's and cross our T's maybe more so than we need to. And we probably need to reevaluate that because I think it's affecting the ability of our our lawyers to make the money that they need to make. Mm -hmm. And as the industry changes, if we can't provide employment for a lot of our attorneys, we are going to have a a problem. So we need to start thinking about, you know, the infrastructure of yeah. how we currently have things and and stifling people's ability to to earn a living. Yeah, my view. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I agree, and I, I do think that um, agility is becoming a more important component of being in any field, really, but in the legal profession especially. And having that uh, that friction or that that bottleneck of having everything having to run through this sort of. Uh, filter of, you know, am I going to get hassled by my state bar association? Exactly. Uh, you know, that's, that's troublesome. But um, um, to my way Partly because they don't understand this whole process and this whole movement. Yeah, there are a couple of states, Florida, oh, did I say that out loud, that um, are uh, uh, more difficult than others. I think New York recently came out with something about LinkedIn or, you know, how yeah, lawyers so. are using LinkedIn. Uh, yeah, we're, yeah, we're still in the old West in a certain way. It's, it's a frontier uh, for those of us that are using this stuff, but it is becoming so ubiquitous that the bar association, they're going to have to catch up or, or uh, well, I don't know, uh, relying on archaic rules to, to regulate us may be good for mm-hmm. some, some of them. Anyway, um, that's a philosophical conversation. Yeah, Let me ask sure. you a couple more quick questions. Cause I always sure. like to ask my guests, what's the last podcast you've listened to? Ah, uh. It might have been Entertainment Law Update, your last um, episode oh, with uh, your 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 business partner. Yeah. I mean, with your partner yeah. out in Texas, mm-hmm. and it was all the latest. I believe so. Yeah, we did the year year end roundup. Actually, we're slated yeah. to record and our on, next on the law in a few days. side. Uh, yeah, the other cool. one was just a spreecast, and that's not technically a podcast. Ah, right. So yeah, right. so so it have been yours. And I, I'm a follower. I'm not kidding. I I love your work. It's and absolutely. I'm grateful. And I'm grateful for you to reach for reaching out to me to. Uh, to do this interview it's been absolutely really i think it's smart how you have it you just have the the scheduler on your page and say hey if you want me to interview you you know just <laughs> i think i might do that you know that's a new development actually it's been mostly me reaching out to my guests but um i realize that you know wherever i go i can say hey and if you if you'd love to come on the show i'd, I'd love to hear more about you you know and, and i do filter it a little bit and not everybody yeah. who <laughs> who sends in yeah. a thing but yeah. uh it, you i know. like it it's a great idea yeah. it, it, my only concern is just having all kinds of people you know asking for interviews but i really like yours especially for how niche focused it is yeah. it, it is it's perfect that's great 
That's great. Yeah. So you have a book coming out. Let's talk a little bit about yes. that. Tell me what yes. it is and, and how the it's... The book is called Nigerian Music Industry and the Law, mm-hmm. a Nigerian Artist's Guide to Success in the Music Business. It's the first comprehensive book written on Nigeria's entertainment industry from a legal standpoint focusing on music. And it's the first book, I think, on the market period that, com- that compares Nigerian and U.S. law and takes folks... Um, you know, step by step through the process. Uh, it chronicles the entire uh, music uh, history uh-huh. of Nigeria, starting all the way back in the 1920s to how we got to where we are. Um, the change makers and, and game changers and trailblazers, and then really looks at it from a perspective of business as an artist going into the industry. How do you break in? How do you navigate the whole Nigerian entertainment industry? And then you know, for investors, a big issue on the continent has been, oh, entertainment industry is great, but uh, how do we get a return on our investment? So it allows investors to actually understand the industry, mm-hmm. where they want to invest and not invest. And then industry professionals to get basic music business education. Most people don't even know what they're doing or how the music business works at all, as a whole. So, yeah. Great. And so that's coming out fairly I'm, soon. I'm hoping it co- it's coming up very soon. It's completed. So what I'm trying to do now is just get the global editing done and mm-hmm. then uh, publishing. Okay. So I'm excited about it and I'm looking at uh, different publishers. I was going to self-publish uh, based on a lot of the advice from fellow colleagues in the mm-hmm. industry. But I've also had fellow colleagues in the industry say, no, you should think about the other options. So I'm weighing all, all options right now to see what, what would work best, but okay. I'm looking forward to it. Well, how can our listeners find you and, and uh, get more information about anything you do and that in particular? Well, my central hub is Miss Uduak, M-S-U-D-U-A-K.com. That's where you can see everything I do, journalism, law, speaking, uh, and then for the music law book mm-hmm. to stay updated, go to africamusiclaw.com, A-F-R-I-C-A, musiclaw.com, and just sign up and you'll be able to get my newsletter and know exactly when that book comes out. And of course, they can subscribe to your podcast also on iTunes course, and other podcasts. Okay. Of All course. Right. Of course. And when you go to msuduak.com, you'll see the, the Lady Brill and, and um, African Music Law option to subscribe if that's what you would like to do. All and of right. course, I'd love to have you. That's great. I've listened to a few episodes and I think they're fantastic. And what you're doing is, is amazing and, and great for uh, the industry, the professionals in the industry, as well as the artists. And, and uh, uh, you know, it's even if it weren't leading jet directly to business for your practice, I, I would say, you know, it, it's it's an important service. You're you're uh, you're being called to lead by doing it. And I think it's fantastic. So. Thank you so much, Gordon. And I already told you, everyone, in case you don't know, I mean, you might think Gordon's voice sounds amazing as it is, but it sounds even more amazing on just phone without all the equipment. I was like so shocked. I was like, whoa, are you a voiceover or, a, you know, jazz, you know, love segment at night, you know, on the radio show? <laughs> it's funny. I love to sing, you know, just sort of in the, the singing in the shower kind of level singing around the house and things like that. And my kids all put their hands over their ears and say, stop, daddy. Stop. Oh, no, <laughs> they don't know what they they're listening. Well, they're going to value it much later as kids do. Yeah. You know, you know that's, that's another thing about recording your voice every month or every week or whatever you do. It's something that the future, you know, it's there for the future. Even it's that's a legacy so in a sense. It is a yeah. legacy. That's funny. It's, I hadn't thought about a, that. You're giving something, you're leaving something behind. Yeah. 
and, and you and you you can't even begin to understand the impact you're having on so many people. I mean, it's like you're sure, for example, there's so many lawyers that listen to it. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's after the fact. And the thing that I think we all don't do and we all should be doing is telling each other how good we're doing. Like it shouldn't have to be a podcast for me to which I should have reached out since to say, hey, Gordon, I really love it. Although I did follow you on Twitter and yeah. I retweet some of your stuff. But the point is, we need to say that more because people like you as well are doing some great things. Well, I think you and I could go on all day paying yes, each other compliments. <laughs> <laughs> so let me just say thank you Uduak Odwak, for joining us on the show. It's been a great interview. I think the listeners have gotten a lot out of it. And I'm really grateful to you for reaching out and becoming a part of the show. Thank you so much. No problem. I look forward to you. Now that you've said, hey, what about me? We're going to have you come on and, and, and have a great interview with you as well. Okay, there you have it. A, a lesson for our listeners that, that uh, having a podcast puts you out there in other ways. You become a guest on other people's shows as well. Exactly. That's great. Okay. Well, listen, I want to say thanks also to the listeners. Uh, please do take a moment to send us comments or suggestions on the website at lawpodcaster.com. And a review on the iTunes store would be very, very welcome. It helps us uh, rise in the rankings and become noticed and discovered by others. And uh, that's about it. It's going to wrap things up for this episode of the Law Podcasting Podcast. If you are interested in podcasting for your law practice, the Power Podcasting for Lawyers course is available. Visit lawpodcasting.com. And if you sign up uh, at lawpodcasting.com slash guide, we'll send you our free podcasting resource guide for more information. And until next time, keep on podcasting. Podcasting.